We have all had that one co-worker or colleague that is a constant irritant. Maybe it's the tuneless whistling or the smelly food in the microwave. Whatever the reason why you dislike them, it's possible you've wished that they would leave an otherwise good workplace rather than you having to find a new job. It's highly unlikely you had considered a terminal solution to the problem. This is the case of Jennifer San Marco, and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I'm Cameron, and joining me is Mother. Hello. I might be the annoying person at work. <laughs> I yes. just said that, yeah. No one's tried to kill me yet, but I'm usually the loud one. Yeah. So, welcome to our newest Patreon supporter, Juliana. Thank you so much. Please do consider joining our Patreon. Links are posted as usual, or leave a review as everything helps. I think most of us have experienced that Sunday night, Monday morning dread, whether you're at work or at college or whatever. And I got to thinking about the phrase going postal, where it comes from and why. Sometimes the Sunday night beforehand would make me want to stick my head in the oven. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, nah, I'd I'd cook my head rather than want to go to work on the Monday. I get those vibes. That's part of the reason why the podcast is called Murder Me on a Monday. Because if you're going to kill me, don't fuck me up on a Friday. That's my little getaway for two days. Do it on the Monday. Yeah. Right, so it's not the case that we will cover today, but the origins actually appear to come from a shooting in October of 1991, where 34-year-old Joseph Harris, who held a grudge against his supervisor who had had him fired, killed the ex-supervisor and her boyfriend at their home in New Jersey. Then he killed two former colleagues as they arrived at the New Jersey post office. According to Harris, he was initially armed with a Uzi, grenades and a samurai sword. Which is samurai. Samurai sword, sorry. Which is what he used Samurai. Samurai. Which is what he used to kill his supervisor. He actually used that sword. And was later arrested after a four and a half hour standoff. Um he was wearing a ninja outfit and a gas mask. Hmm. He was convicted of murder and sentenced to death, but died in prison of ni- in nineteen ninety six of natural causes. So he didn't last long, did he? He had a submachine gun and a inferior sword for killing someone. Yeah. Apparently as well, he they turned out eventually to actually link him up to two previous murders 10 years prior to that, but they had no reason to link him in. So he was a bad guy all around. Completely round. unconnected. Yeah. yeah. Terry Pratchett also wrote a famous book of the same name going post. Didn't he do BFG? Them? No, that's Roald Dahl. Yeah. Uh, it was turned into a TV series and set in a mythical, magical postal service. Um, he's done a few other things. It's the Discworld series. There's been a few. Yeah, another, another yeah. one. There's even a film from 2009 called Going Postal and covers four other cases, but not today's one. There are actually cases in Canada, Australia and even Iran. So it's not just an American thing, but that's where the phrase comes from for sure. And it's one case. This one case has always stuck with me. It's also known as the Golita Postal Murders. 6th of December 1961, Jennifer is born in New York City and goes to school in Brooklyn. Almost nothing is known about her home life. Apparently had a brother and sister, but nothing known about them. She was always described as a friendly but shy child by other kids who went to school with her. Seems to have been a loner. Not socially awkward, but no one ever got close to her. She goes off to university at Rutgers in New Jersey to study natural resource management and drops out. No reasons known why, but it's the start of a pattern. I don't know if she didn't like New York winters and who would blame her, 
but she heads off to California. Nothing is known about her early 20s, really, until 1989, so she would have been 28, when she became a prison guard at a state prison. She quit her job, giving no reason, two days after she finished her probation period. Again, a big gap, but she pops up in the 1990s, working as a police dispatcher, and she did undergo a background check and a psych evaluation, which all came back fine. She quits that job after four months, but no one was actually surprised as it's a high-pressure job and not everyone is suited to it, regardless of passing all the evaluations. She's a uni dropout and a job hopper. Nothing wrong with that. She just hadn't found what she was looking for. Sometime in 1997, she goes to work at the postal service as a clerk, which is a postal depot in Galita, which is part of the Santa Barbara County with a population of roughly 33,000. Jennifer was working there part-time at night and also took another day job as what we would call a dinner lady at a local high school, but she only stuck that out for a year. And I should imagine that was pretty hard, trying to do nights at the post office and lunchtime. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't get much sleep. People tried to make friends with her at the postal service, but again, she kept them all arm's length. She would be polite and was considered a good worker, but no one really knew her. She just never let anyone in. All seemed fine initially until she obviously started to unravel. She would be often seen talking and arguing with herself and she would mumble racist remarks under her breath. In 2001, Jennifer had made a comment to a fellow employee about a woman who had committed suicide that they both knew. This colleague was so unnerved by the comment that he reported her to a supervisor as a cause for concern. It was along the lines he was worried about her mental health and thought somebody higher up the chain of management should handle it. As a result of this, on February the 5th, 2001, Jennifer was called into the office so she could be asked about what she'd said and why she had said it. She refused to go to the office and started to make a scene. She got very angry and started yelling aggressively, so the police were called to try and calm the situation down. Jennifer was still refusing to be spoken to about her comment. She got so leery, she was forcibly arrested and she was shipped off for a 72-hour hold for an evaluation, diagnosis and treatment plan. That's from work, basically? Yes. It all kicked off at work and then she then got... Yep. Okay. Yep. And although Jennifer was given a diagnosis and a treatment plan and we don't know what they are... She How do we not know what they are? It was sealed. The police have never re- released it. She was released after a hold was up. She goes back to work and people are now avoiding her. Not even pleasantries. And she seemed just fine with that. Although people were noticing that she was dishevelled, unkempt, dirty at times and wore makeup like she was auditioning for a part as the Joker in the Batman film. She was literally not putting on makeup properly. She was just slashing across her face with lipstick. Nothing at all like she'd been previously when guys had tried to date her and she just wasn't interested. Everyone seems to have ignored everything until 2003. She completely flipped out at work, screaming, shouting, making little sense, and the police had to be called again. When they arrive, they had to drag her out from underneath a mail sorting machine and strap her to a chair to wheel her out of the facility. Why was she allowed to back... I don't know. I'm not management. I 
could they argue that it would be sort of a wrongful termination based on Disabilities Act, but then you don't know if she was disabled up until that point. She was put on a treatment plan. But she refused to do it. But if she's gone a bit mental, I, yeah. I thought, mm, let's not have her here. Well, they shipped her off to the nearest psychiatric hospital in Ventura, California. Jennifer spends three days there again and was soon released and spent some time on sick leave from work before returning several months later. Nothing is known about her treatment at the facility, nor what happened afterwards. But when she goes back to work, she was even more aggressive and the ranting and raving continued. It got so bad that managers had to escort her off the premises and she was told not to return. And the postal company decided it would be best to retire her early due to her declining mental health, meaning she got disability benefits. Jennifer was very bitter about the whole situation because to her, she'd done nothing wrong. She was convinced that everyone was against her. When you say retired, do you mean she was literally put on retirement or retire as in get rid of? No, she was put on retirement under a disability plan because her mental health was declining. At the age of like 40? 41-ish. Yeah, 40. Yeah. yeah. So after being retired, she decides to sell up and travel to see some relatives in New Mexico. Her car broke down and she got stuck in a place called Milan, a city of 2,500 people, which is 70 miles west of Albuquerque. And she ended up staying there and she unravelled further. She would often spit in public at people, would be seen praying and mumbling to herself, and once went to a gas station, petrol station, took all her clothes off. Police were called, the clothes were back on by the time the police arrived. She would go into a restaurant, order food, then run off. So it's dine and dash in reverse because she wouldn't eat it. She would go into the local council offices and stand or sit and just stare at people. She made a lot of people very uncomfortable and her appearance was very off-putting with clumps of her hair missing as she'd cut it herself and she was dirty and dishevelled again. A mental health clinic manager noticed her kneeling before her car in a post office parking lot in nearby Grants, New Mexico, talking to herself and apparently she was talking to her brother and sister, which were not there. The woman asked Jennifer if she was okay and she replied, they pray before they go in, whatever that might mean. The woman later said she called police, hoping that she, it would lead to Jennifer getting a mental evaluation. She'd been in the mental health field for something like 18 years and she knew something was really, really wrong. Funnily enough, the police have no record of the call and apparently nothing came of it. Jennifer would spend hours in her New Mexico home writing endless notes that were later found by investigators. She became convinced that her former colleagues at the postal facility, her old neighbour in California, the police department and one of the psychiatric facilities she had been in were all working together in a plot to ruin her life. She was obsessed with Son of Dad's... Who the fuck's Dan? Yeah, exactly. Son of Sam? Yeah. And the Klu Klux Klan? Yes. Yeah, I knew that. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah carry on. And the US government... And there was conspiracies within conspiracies. So she set about planning her act of revenge and went to two different pawn shops in New Mexico. One to purchase a gun, which was an A15 round 9mm Smith & Wesson Model 915, which she got for $325. And the other to get the ammunition. For the gun, she had to fill in an application form. For anyone that doesn't know or doesn't care, that's basically a really tiny handgun. It's a really tiny pistol. Is it? 
I wouldn't yeah, know. Yeah, it's really small. Well, like a ladies' well, no, gun. No, no, it's not like a ladies' one that you can fit like under your tit. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a small handgun. It's a, it's a nine by nine, which is the caliber of bullet that it fires. But it's a, it's a small pistol. Right, okay. It's not something massive like a, like a Desert Eagle or something weird that actually. Oh uh, yeah, I know, fire. That, that, yeah. I know that one. It's yeah. a small handgun. Right. Okay. Now, some places said that she could collect the gun after two days. Others have said fifteen days, but it's immaterial. Because the pawn shop background check showed that she'd been never officially adjudicated as mentally defective, which is a really horrible term. She passed it all and she got the gun. That was August of 2005. She makes good use of her time. She spends hours and hours target shooting in her back garden and became a very good shot, apparently. That's not a good thing. Someone that's got mental health issues being a good shot. I know, I know. They're really good at checking knives. That's not a good thing. They shouldn't do that. No. Well, she now had her plan and her weapon. And on the night of the 30th of January, 2006, she got into her car. And the first person who was going to pay the price was a lady called Beverly Graham, who had been her neighbour in Goleta. Jennifer had taken a dislike to Beverly all those years ago. She used to stand outside Beverly's apartment and sing loudly or just stand and basically argue with herself. She would walk around the car park shouting the lyrics to Beatles songs. They shared an internal wall or a party wall and Beverly often put in noise complaints to the police because Jennifer was playing music so loud Beverly couldn't think. Obviously Beverly was fed up with it and they would sometimes get into arguments outside the building. But as they both owned their own properties, there wasn't much anyone could do, really. Could hardly get a restraining order for singing, could she? But something was wrong. Nobody would take any responsibility for well, it. Well, it's, it's public disturbance. It's disorderly conduct. At a certain point... That's for us. It might not be the same over there. Well, no, it is. Because if you, if you even hold like a certain sign-up, then you can, the police will try to arrest you and say it's a public disturbance. And it's not. It has to be a report of it. The police just can't not like it. You could say, I th- fuck it, just lie and say, I think she's selling drugs. She'll get arrested then, wouldn't she? Well, they didn't do anything. These two women had not seen each other for a very long time, but Jennifer had been storing all this up and she's brewing over with anger. This is a 12-hour car trip, roughly 818 miles. I believe she stopped off for supplies in LA, but she drove continuously until she got to her old apartment block and headed for Beverly's home. How she got into Beverly's, probably just knocked on the door and it's been a few years maybe Beverly didn't recognize her so she just opened the door Beverly's neighbors later told the police that they'd heard shots ring out between 7 15 p.m and 8 15 p.m as soon as she had killed Beverly she gets right back in her car and made her way to the postal facility arriving around 9 p.m which was the start roughly the start of the shift she would have known what the shift times were, obviously, from working there. The number of people who actually worked in that building was roughly 300, but on that particular night, only 80 people were on shift. I'm going to say something that you may or may not encounter because I don't know how much shift work you've done previously, but I bet you when she... Because she knew that when that shift started and she was there at that time, she would have got some sort of PTSD flashback of having to work shift at that time. Because I I do. If I'm in my car at, like, 9 o'clock... That's when I would have to drive, like, driven to work to start my night shift. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting night shift vibes. I don't like this. So that's that Sunday night, Monday morning sensation, isn't it? Yeah, and I had it when I worked shift. So I'd sometimes have to work the sun- from Sunday afternoon. So you get Saturday blues. Jennifer had given herself a hacked off buzz cut with clumps of hair at different lengths. 
It was believed it was possibly done to make her unrecognisable to any former colleagues who still worked there more than three years before. That's how I thought she got into the house or the apartment to, yeah. Yeah. to kill her because if she looks so different, it's been years, she's shaved her head yeah. effectively. Mm-hmm. She won't be recognisable. No. And knowing as well that she couldn't get access to the facility, she basically tailgated another vehicle through the gates, jumped out of the car and threatened the occupant of the other vehicle at gunpoint for their ID badge to get into the main facility. You know, like a swipe job. As soon as she got the ID, she let the terrified chap go. I believe he goes dashing off into another building and tries to alert people or ring 911. As gunshots started to ring out, employees were scattering as the police arrived. Jennifer shot one man and two women in the car park and three more people in the main warehouse. One of these was still alive, but would pass away the next day. All of them were almost shot point blank, the police said later. She hadn't missed. All that target shooting had served its purpose. One of the victims was a young mother who had just returned to work after having a baby. Another woman had only just started to feel she could cope after losing her husband and returned to work. And one of the men was an older war veteran. No one had obviously done anything to Jennifer in any way, shape or form to begin to explain why they were targeted. I was going to ask that. Are they utterly random or are they previous previous people that she had worked with? Because she obviously blamed managers, didn't she? One of them was a previous colleague. She may have known the others. It's not, it's not actually clear. That's just a colleague. I'm wondering if it's the previous manager or something. Because no. it's someone that you work with that's on your same, quote, level. You know what I mean? She won't. I don't see why she'd blame a colleague, but she might blame her superior somewhere. There is no rational explanation for anything that she did. She drives oh, no, up. Yeah, there's no rational yeah. explanation for anything she's fucking done. She's she, mental. She, she drives up. She parks about 100 metres away from the entrance to the facility and just walks across car park. And just as soon as she sees someone, she just shoots them. Point Starts blasting. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, Jennifer turned the gun on herself. She was 44 years old. She's obviously seriously mentally unwell. She's paranoid. She's delusional. She had auditory hallucinations. She was often seen arguing with invisible people. And yet, another failure of the mental health system. And it doesn't matter what country you're in. It's always patch them up and ship them out. We can't keep them, so they've done nothing wrong. So there's no assessment of any future risk. It's not helped by the fact as apparently it's quite common, she refused to accept she was unwell and they probably couldn't force medication on her to stabilise her even a little bit. It was probably paranoid schizophrenia, but there's never been any public release of medical records and no official statements made. So it's speculation, sure, but we've often talked about how it presents in women in the over 40s. So when we were downstairs, you and I are talking about this case briefly, as Mm -hmm. we kind of do. I had a theory that it's a due with estrogen. It's a, it's as good a theory as any, and I'd never heard of there, this. There was a theory a while ago that testosterone is neuroprotective. It protects the brain, the neurons, etc. It's not. There's a reason why women, as they get older, they suffer from Alzheimer's at a more frequent rate than men do. Mm-hmm. It's because when they go through the menopause or perimenopause, postmenopause, whatever, they don't have sufficient amounts of estrogen in their system, so they don't have the neuroprotection that it provides. It might be why women get more eye issues and then joint pain as they get older, and probably more osteoporosis because they don't have the estrogen that then... Protective, yeah. Protective of the bones, blah, yeah. blah, But the man, they have the higher rates of testosterone, which then converts back into estrogen to give them that neural protection. And when I Googled it, I Googled 
about schizophrenia specifically, mm-hmm. and it is. And it can actually be tied to it from both men and women. So if men have a deficiency in their testosterone, they therefore subsequently have a downstream effect of deficiency in their estrogen. And women will anyway if they have like a um, menopause or whatever. And there's also a higher rate of it occurring depending on a woman's menstrual cycle because they can have lower rates of estrogen than normal, which increases their schizophrenic like issues. Or risk. Yeah. So I googled it. I was right. My theory was I'd right. never seen. I'd never seen that anywhere. I'd looked when we we covered this previously. Because I, I, I read an abstract of a study when you were like um, downstairs before we recorded the podcast, and that's kind of what it was saying. That they thought the estrogen being neuroprotective can affect different rates of uh, schizophrenia. Because apparently, in men and women, it's around about the same rate, but women it peaks at two different um, points in their life. It can peak between twenty and like twenty-five, so early twenties, and again at forty. With men, it's the young, just the younger age. Yeah, sixteen to twenty or something. Yeah, that's is around it? about the same age that it triggers. In men, but for women have like a second peak, and I don't know if that's due with estrogen or not. I doubt it. I don't see why they'd have that in between those two spans. And everybody's going right. I'm going to go and get see the doctor and get some yeah. HRT. Well, that's what I mean. Hey, I'm I'm very pro blood test. You know what I mean? Find out what's going on. But yeah, it's to do with I think anyway. Obviously, what the fuck do I know? I think it's something to do with that estrogen because that's if it's not neuroprotective. I mean, there's a reason why women get Alzheimer's at a way higher rate. It's because they don't have the estrogen. So you're telling me that a neurogenitive disease or issue, something like schizophrenia, isn't caused by lack of estrogen? It definitely could be. Yeah, so it's one of those things. What do you treat first, or what? Oh God, right. Anyway, never mind. A lot of people don't buy this mental illness aspect about her. They think she was driven purely by racism. What? Yeah, Jennifer was white. Three of the victims were African American. One was Filipino. Another was Hispanic, and one was Chinese American. When she was at the facility, when she was working, she used to mutter these racial epitaphs and people knew she was racist but it seemed to mainly be towards asian people but the fact is the people that she killed no one was white there's a slight bias or issue with that in my head at least if for example you're in a predominantly black neighborhood and you then shoot someone that's not because they were blacks because there were only black people around yeah if there were white people there they probably would have been shot themselves and again is it the same if you get an old lady who's got Alzheimer's, she's definitely chucking around some N-words left, right and centre. Definitely. Probably was. Talking she, about some like, like very yeah. racial stuff. Like, what's the name of the dolls used to call them back in the day? Like, yeah, yeah they're chucking those about because, because they're not there anymore and it's, she's not been right for like a decade. So I, I don't think it's, she might have been racist at the time, but it still is racist, for example, but I don't think that's why she shot those people. It's because they were the only people around. Like, that doesn't seem to make any sense. That's, that's fair enough. It makes it, what you've just said there makes complete and utter sense. But she definitely had a problem with race. Like the, the only way you could have that is you'd, you'd have to have a essentially like a control group where if they're well, not a control group but a control method, if there were white people there and she didn't shoot those, then yeah, that would make sense. But because there's not, she shot everyone that was there. She just seemed to shoot the exactly, people. Exactly. Co- so yeah. the only way you can prove that is if there were white people then she didn't shoot, which she didn't because they weren't there to not shoot. Well, when she was living in New Mexico... Ah, and she shot herself, so she's yeah, white. Yeah. She even tried to register a newspaper that she wanted to publish. It was called The Racist Press. Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying she's not racist, by the way, but I'm saying her shooting people, they would just happen to be that, unfortunately. Yeah. What shocked most people was it was a woman that went on a spree killing... It was unheard of. Between 1990 and 2020, there have only been three women in the USA have carried out mass shootings, such as this one. You normally only see one picture of her, which is her driving license. 
She looked like a happy woman in her 40s, no hint of what was going on behind that smile. Since that time, that incident, six trees have been planted in memory of the six that died and a plaque bearing their names was placed at the postal facility. When you say that there's only been very few amount of women that have committed mass shootings or spree mm-hmm. killings, is there any information on their mental state at the time? No. Because I'm wondering if a, a man can be completely mentally there and still be a fucking moron and then that might lead them to the, do the spree killings, the mass shootings, whatever. He might have completely ideologically backward. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking about the great replacement theory, white genocide, etc. That's why he thinks, oh, I kill loads of black people. He's not actually, there's no like, mental health issue that leads him to do that. Mm. That's why he did it. But I'm wondering, because that doesn't seem to be the same kind of thing that women do when they express the violence. They typically do like poison, etc. Because exactly. they don't necessarily have a physical strength. They're, I guess for women, guns culture is not quite the same. So they probably no. will do it less frequently with guns. So I'm wondering, is it, Women that do it, they tend to have some kind of mental health issue at the time that leads them to do that. Because I'm just wondering, at least we've just got a sample size of one here that I know of that she had it and then did it. So I'm wondering, if is there like a relation? I found the article that said that there'd been these other two, but I couldn't find the other two cases that they talked about. But I probably didn't look too hard because I didn't want to spend too long in a room with you at the moment. This is why it's a shorter, slightly shorter episode this week. Than I, don't, I don't have COVID, but I was in a house with someone that had COVID. And I didn't know. They didn't have COVID when I went to bed. And then when I woke up, someone in the house had COVID. So I'm like, ah, shit. So, <laughs> I've been exposed. So I'm trying to trying to limit the time in the room with camera. I'm not doing it by Zoom from upstairs and downstairs. But yeah. No, I I, it, I think that was what shocked. And I remember this being reported on at the time. How shocked people were. There is um, a short documentary, which I've linked as normal, that gives you eyewitness reports who of people that were there and the place and they're all in utter shock do we know the race of the guy that she tailgated in and stole the id from no no if he was white and she didn't kill him that would then lead again more towards the racist theory that's That's what i'm thinking that's a really good point no matter where i went looking his race was never mentioned no because i'm trying to think the motivation of someone that is racist i'm trying i'm trying to create that almost control group of her not having killed white people so then confirm Apparently she stood there and stared at him for a bit and then basically gone off so you <laughs> might be right when you said stared you you winced your eyes and looked at him and you went stared and like <laughs> winced. yeah yeah um yeah I'm, I'm just trying to wonder what the motivation is between her being racist whether or not that's a big motivation towards it because it seems to be more so her mental decline yeah than being mental but it's the fact that she was brooding on this for so long. Exactly. And she, and she blamed them independent of any other reason. She blamed her like personal issues on them, yeah. even though the people she killed had nothing to do with it. No. The only person that she had w- any real link formally to so was... was the woman that she killed that she lived near. Yeah. The and again, I, don't, I don't blame the neighbor for being pissed. If someone's noisy, like you get we get one and then yeah. I'm I'm going to be the mental person. I'm going to out yeah. crazy you. Shut up. Stop being noisy. Yeah. And unfortunately when you've got mental illness like this and she's she's obviously slowly very slowly unraveling with all of this but it's the workplace um murders that are becoming more and more prevalent but it's the going postal part this is anytime anybody says yeah going postal everybody knows that is a workplace blow up that's quite epic and I always think of this case, although this isn't the case that the phrase comes from. I guess this this happened in early 2006, didn't it? Yeah. So that was before a recession. 
Yeah, 2008 was the recession. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if if those rates increased, potentially workplace murders because of recession. Because I imagine it ha- only happens when people, apart from cases like this, of people that have a, an issue, to do with them being disenfranchised by them either being poor, not being able to progress in the ladder, nepotism, blah, blah, blah. And then just getting so pissed off. Well, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to go off on one with a gun. That's a very, very good point. I know the suicide rate increased massively. Yeah, yeah. I used to commute into London on the East Coast Main Line. And I remember one week in early 2009, so it was as the recession was really biting, every single day the train was either delayed going in or coming home because of somebody... Because of people jumping. Yeah, yeah. and it was it's literally... I, I guess, unfortunately, it kind of crescendoed. It built up from the early 2008s and then sort of peaked yep. in 2009. And especially in January. Aren't we in the one now? Yes, we've we've gone into one I, I feel like we've been in one for the last 20 years. I don't feel like we came out of the recession. So to me, I'm like, oh, it's still I raining. Yeah. It doesn't feel any different. I don't feel like my anything changed, really. Nothing. It's, I guess it's just more expensive, I guess. Heck, yeah, heck of a lot more expensive. And finally, the seven victims who should not be forgotten. Barbara Graham, aged 54. Z Fairchild, aged 37. Malika Higgins, aged 28. Nicola Grant, aged 42. Guadalupe Schwartz, aged 52. Dexter Shannon, aged 57. And Charlotte Colton, aged 44. So that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Murder Me and Monday Podcast and email us at Murder Me Monday Podcast at gmail.com. You can find the Patreon in the description below. And we'll be back next week, assuming we haven't been polaxed by COVID. Yeah, if I ain't got the vid. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, you can find my Instagram, Cam Can't Focus. And we'll see you next time. Much Bye. love. Peace. Bye.